0: Of TMS, good morning. Hey, This is Kevin McDonald from KITH. That stands for kids in the I never know what the H is. Kids in the something good. Uh, Good morning. This is Kevin McDonald from KITH, and you're listening
1: to too much scrolling. That's what TMS stands for. I'll see you in the future.
0: too much scrolling for june 20th 2023 i'm steve Fodor. i'm summertime chip
1: has some flow
0: <laughs> we're just a couple of guys sitting around talking about things that are important to us hopefully they're important to you if you need more information there's so many great ways to find more information chip one way to find more information is to call up our friends who watch movies all the time teddy durgan is here once again to give us another great film review good morning
2: teddy good morning <laughs> Film at
0: 11. Brings us to our film at 11, our movie of the week. It is Superhero Week in the theaters, Chip, and you have gone to see the latest DC film, The Flash.
1: The Flash, Steve. You know, a movie that um, there was talk about shelving this movie at it's one time. It's been in time. progress for, for a decade. They started making this movie in 2014, they finally cast it. Uh-huh. And then they had their um lead actor kind of flake out. Uh-huh. Um, it's the end of the Snyderverse, but it's not really related to the Snyderverse, except for the casting. Except for the casting. And um, this is a film that there's not really high hopes for, but it could have been a game changer under, I guess, the Snyderverse. It was going to be a jumping off point to a much bigger world. That has changed dramatically. They basically stopped that iteration of Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman. And they have hired James Gunn, the guy who did Guardians of the Galaxy, to to move forward to the next phase, which will be a a reintroduction to everything. Um, All the new characters. All the new characters will have new actors.
0: A restart of sort. James Gunn has said that he, he knows that the DC Universe movies have had some problems, and he has a better vision for
1: what to do with these characters going forward. So I saw a a movie on opening night with a full audience who was very engaged in this film. They cheered during parts of it. They whooped during parts of it. They were very excited to be there. So let, let us, let's go down to the, you know, what does it really mean? This movie is not going to change the world. It's serviceable. It's 50 out of 100. Um, I think that if you like the characters, you're going to be, it's going to be okay. And I, I think the weakness of it really is the actor that they miscast
0: mm-hmm.
1: as the Flash. And this is before all the other things came out. Um, I think that this was miscast, I think, the the elements that they took to make him a character certainly were reasonable. It just doesn't have that ultimate feeling. Hmm. I don't want to, to, you know, spend too much time negative talking about this because this movie is okay. I mean, it's as good as any midline uh, Marvel movie. Um, yeah, it's not Spider-Man, but The Flash is not Spider-Man. You know, um, this is not The Avengers. But, you know, this wasn't meant to be the Avengers. But there are lots and lots of cameos. So it was made, hopefully, for repeat viewing. And, you know, those hoops and hollers were earned. And I think that a person who would like to watch this film because they like this type of film is going to be pleasantly surprised. Um, And I think for anyone else, well, you know, if you have children and you need to go to the theater, this isn't you're going to be fine.
0: So we can talk about a few things. This is not the Flashpoint story. This is a film built for
1: younger people, hopefully, than the the Snyderverse. No, Steve. I mean, it's it's it, is it as dark as the Snyderverse? No. Okay. But there are dark elements to this. And I, I don't know the Flashpoint story. Oh. But but I do know this is a time travel story. Okay. An alternate uh, universe story. There's a lot of stuff that Steve would normally like. And Steve is not going to go see this film.
0: I, I'm not interested in giving money to this company at this point for uh, keeping going with Ezra Miller. I, I cannot support Ezra Miller and the company that supports him. I would love to see batman in this movie i would love to see michael keaton they've certainly changed their advertising to uh focus on that
1: yeah I, I don't know how to respond to that um warner brothers certainly when recording this did not know ezra miller's um challenges mm-hmm. and uh, interestingly enough there is a joke in the f- film that talks about um mental health issues mm-hmm. and uh, having to deal with it okay. but yeah, it's just it's just it's one of the this is why they actually have insurance yeah. for for these because actors do flake out mm-hmm. uh, at times and it can be so damaged to a film. And this is this is one of those instances where um, what an actor did is basically destroyed, destroyed the film. Agreed.
0: I got a chance to see Flamin' Hot. This is the inspiring true story of Richard Montanez, who was a Frito-Lay janitor who created
1: the Flamin' Hot Cheetos. I I don't even know this story. I didn't even know this movie was coming out. Tell me about this movie, and, and where did you see it? And that is one thing that that I keep
0: hearing from all sorts of sources. This was directed by Eva Longoria. And one of her interviews, she said she did not know this story. She did not know this Mexican-American from California who became such an important part of the food industry by inventing these hot Cheetos at home with his family. It's an amazing story of how America can become so important to somebody's story. This young man who had struggles, many struggles in life, but had a dream of making something of himself and created
1: this snack. So, how did he create it? I mean, how did, first of all, if you can, you could, I guess you could take a chip and you could put a different flavor on it. Mm-hmm. How did he get in front of someone to be able to say, hey, we should market these that is the
0: whole story here sir he went through all the process of creating this flavor of snack at home with his family boiling different chilies trying different combinations of flavors to get to something that
1: became such an iconic symbol all right so if you have young people you know about flaming hot Mm -hmm. because they they all eat them I, i guess this is an interesting story It is a
0: a very intriguing American story. This is, this is definitely a story of a Mexican American who is struggling and finding his way and, and trying as hard as he can. This is a very deeply felt story about a part of our population that might not have the opportunities that some other groups are given and how his struggle became this amazing idea that changed culture one of the things that they that this movie talks about is how he uses that heritage that mexican heritage of enjoying flavors of a certain type to bring this product to first his mexican american population and then to the rest of america this story i think it's very important that we know this this film is a great story. It is fun. Again, directed by Eva Longoria, featuring Dennis Haspert, Tony Shalhoub, and Matt Walsh. Uh, I, I suggest this one strongly. And Steve, you went into the archives this week. It is that time of year, Chip. It is my annual viewing of Camp Nowhere, the film from 1994, it coming, up on, coming up on its... 30th anniversary next year. Uh, This is the story of a group of highly creative and resourceful junior high kids who don't want to go to the summer camps that their parents have chosen, so they make their own adult-free camp and hire an ex-drama teacher to help out. This is one of my favorite movies of all time. I watch this every summer when I have that feeling like, what could summer be? What is your dream summer these kids live their dream summer with a a tight script, great music, and tons of stars in this one. Christopher Lloyd is the uh, ex-drama teacher, and he is in Full Reverend Jim mode at some points in this. He is really chewing the scenery, acting like uh, the best. Maybe the best Christopher Lloyd movie is is Camp Nowhere. Tom Wilson, who played Biff from Back to the Future, happens to be in this one. So we get Biff and uh, Doc Brown together. We get Burgess Meredith in one of my favorite scenes, where he talks about how this camp used to be a uh, hippie commune and all sorts of things happened. On that land. And Christopher Lloyd's character goes, Oh, I thought I recognized this place.
1: Yeah, I've never seen this film. This is from 1994. And uh, I can I uh, absolutely understand why you would enjoy this film. It's right up my alley. We, we've we got some great guest stars in this
0: movie. Burgess Meredith, I mentioned already. Peter Scolari does a great turn. M. Emmett Walsh is in this, along with Kate Mulgrew and Jonathan Frakes. So yes, this is uh, a movie built for Steve. <laughs> I, I'll talk about it again next year, and you'll remember nothing about it, Chip. Did you talk about it last year? Yes, this is an annual This is an annual movie that I watch every year. Teddy is here because Teddy got a special, special review coming. He got a chance to see Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, which is coming out on June 30th for normal people. But, Teddy, you got
2: to see it early. They heard I was a super fan. I had all sorts of fears about the films. They are like, let's get Teddy into the theater to assuage his fears and his concerns so he can go on with his life.
1: So he looks so, sweaty, and he's got a bullwhip with him. What does that mean? <laughs> Probably nothing for the film. So, <laughs> so the, my
2: home life or here? <laughs> <laughs>
0: so the first fear that you need to assuage for us is, is this movie better than The Kingdom of the Crystal
2: Skull? Unequivocally, yes. Okay. Unequivocally, well,
1: yes. That's not a very high standard, Steve. No. Let's talk about Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, no. Are, are we looking at an uh, Indiana Jones film?
2: Untouched. Raiders is untouchable. The not even Temple of, Yeah. Temple of Doom and Last Crusade weren't as good as Raiders, in my opinion. Yes. But could it be mentioned in the same breath? Mm, yeah. But it's it, it, it so many people saw those. Those are the formative movies. Is this a good movie? Yes. Is does it feel like an Indiana Jones movie? Yes. And those are the two takeaways. Is it a great film? No. It's not okay. a great film. Um, but it's a good film, and it's an Indiana Jones film. Well,
1: you know, it's a very high standard to deal with a, a Lucas, George Lucas property, and a Steven Spielberg directed property, sure. and you know, we've got a different um, director. So, uh, yeah. but but our director certainly looks like he's got uh, credibility.
2: No, he's he is no slouch. It's James Mangold. This is the man who made Walk the Line. This is a man who made Ford versus Ferrari, but most importantly, he made Logan, and so he knows the is a little bit around the the aging hero, end of the line kind of uh, story. And he grew up inspired by the Indiana Jones films. You know, he wasn't inspired as Lucas and Spielberg were by the original those adventure serials that they they saw as, as children when they were growing up. This was a man who saw. Indiana Jones film so he's he's done a pretty good job here of merging what we liked about the Indiana Jones films the uh, uh you know the Harrison Ford originally said what's the great appeal of Raiders of lost Ark on the press junkets back then and he said either I'm chasing them or they're chasing me well it, that's essentially Unfortunately, for about two hours and 35 minutes, that's what it is. You know, the, the originals were two hours, but we'll get into that, Um, you know, but that's essentially, it goes back to that style, you know, which is, which is cool.
1: And how do you deal with an 80 year old Harrison Ford? I mean, certainly the, um the stunts that mm-hmm. a young Indiana Jones would perform are what a young person could perform before, you know, they're not a football player anymore. They're quickly out of the league. Sure. The
0: young Indiana Jones was a totally
2: different program, by the way. What do
1: you do with um, with a character that is much, much older?
2: Several things they do. First of all, importantly, they acknowledge it. They acknowledge his age. They acknowledge his limitations as the character in the film. Um, Even though you do see some stuff where you're like, okay, no 80-year-old would probably do that. But they, there is the. Um, there's a great scene where he's he's him and uh, the 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 main new character Helena are are climbing up this 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 rock cliff, and he's basically bitching about all of the stuff that's wrong with his body or the stuff that's happened to him uh, over the course of time. And it's a good scene because it it kind of uh, kind of takes the air out of it a little bit, you know. Um, you also put him in situations where it's no longer him doing a lot of running or a lot of jumping or a lot of like. They put him in a lot of vehicles. They um at one point he has to dive to a, a shipwreck to find something that's important in the film. Uh so you can put him in the dive suit and you can make anybody in a dive suit. Uh they put him on horseback. Um Indiana yeah, Jones, if you've seen uh, you know, his the TV show he's on now the Yellowstone spinoff, he can still ride a horse. I mean, you know, he can ride a horse like nobody else. Um and uh so just yeah, they they do a lot of things that that would not been in the other in the other films,
0: and they de-age an old Harrison Ford back to the young Harrison Ford
2: of old. Was there an uncanny valley there? For some, yes. Okay, it's the first twenty to about twenty-five minutes of the film. Uh, it's really good that that those twenty twenty-five. It's like they kick it old school for for about twenty minutes. I mean, it, it, it's set in uh, Nazi-occupied territories, World War II era, India, it's nineteen forty-four. As someone our age or my age, who's 52, uh, there's no way you cannot know that you're looking at a multi-million dollar parlor trick. Okay. Um, there's just no way. Oh, you know, so once you see it, and then if you if you're a repeat viewer, I'm gonna go back with my wife in a couple of weeks when it actually opens, I'll be able to be less tense about, you know, looking at every shot and just kind of enjoy and knowing what it is and what it is not. It's much better than, like, say, Tarkin of Rogue One. You know, Governor yeah. Tarkin, Peter Cushing. Much better. If anything, they actually are kind of impressed with themselves. They do a, quite a bit of close-ups, uh, almost as if to tell the audience, "Hey, look, see, we could do, we can do stubble, we can do that, we can do the scar, we can do that," you know, and 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 you know that. But honestly, after about ten minutes, I, I was kind of used to it, and, and it's pretty impressive. I mean, he comes in and out of shadow. I mean, there's rain, there's interior, there's exterior. I was more impressed with it than I thought I would be. And I, I and it, it disappeared uh, quicker than I thought it would for me. And this is our plug for Epic Games,
1: local carry uh, company who does all sorts of video games where they try to look perfect. <laughs> <laughs> like real life.
0: <laughs> but it did not detract from the storytelling. You were in the story with that technology in that first few minutes.
2: Not for me, not for me, and not for some of the people around me. We, we, it was a, it was a press screening, and we maybe a dozen people there or so. And you know, look, it, the people who went in and sat down with their arms folded before the movie even started, and daring the film to, you know, impress them or or wow them or whatever, you know, I, I don't think you're ever really gonna please those folks. You know, okay. and that's that, that's that's fair. Whatever you came in with your list of what
0: you wanted to see and what you were afraid of for this film. Did this film deliver?
2: Yes, I went in, there were three things, and if I were discussing it'd be spoilers. There were three things that I was absolutely like, if it happened, I would be, I probably wouldn't even like the film. I wouldn't even, I'd just consider it like Alien 3, like it's a dream or something, you know. Um, you know it, it, and the three things that I did not want to see happen did not happen. And right. so that was good it's it's a weird way to watch a movie because you're kind of tense it's not a normal way to watch a movie so I'm actually I'm looking forward to a second viewing of it um, because I can just be relaxed about it and then I will say that one thing happened at the end that I did not expect to happen that I that they've kept pretty well under wraps and I hope he stays under wraps that I loved I thought it was wonderful I actually shed a single little nerd tear out of this eye right here um, at the the final the final even the final little closing uh, fade out, you know. Wonderful. Yeah, if if you're if you followed Indiana Jones most of your life all you're like you'll you'll I just no way you can't not like what what happens. I
1: I did not have high hopes for this film. Mm-hmm. Um, I did feel that they were um, th- this potentially could have been recast, and if they wanted to do another trilogy or something, kind of find some stories. I'm be- I'm very happy that you got this advanced screening and you know you're you're basically saying hey go see this film
2: yeah I am it's gonna be I fine am. and I'm saying don't expect it to make you feel like you're 11 years old again or wherever you saw you know if you're you know one of the originals it's it's too long it doesn't have that zip of the I mean there there are things that it's a good film it's not a great film um you know at two and a half hours long it it doesn't have the zip it it has that logan thing where it's some things have happened to indiana jones since even if you you like the crystal skull some things have happened in those those 12 years between the films to the character that um that are you know not 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 the best things so logan was was a was a somebody called it a not a comic book movie as a tragic book movie you know and and (laughs) and it it, you know it, it doesn't go that far but there is there is some 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 sad substance there it's it's a longer film it's a more um you know it doesn't have as much humor as the others i think it could have used more humor sometimes when the humor does come in it's almost it's such a big relief there's a there's a point one of my favorite little bits in the film is where he he just acknowledges just for a moment how bitter he still is at the events of temple of doom what happened to him and it's just it's just a little moment but it's so it's put in there so so nicely and it's just this really it's really just like a single line but but everybody just like loved that line and it it was it was fun yeah. it's like if you were still pissed off at what something had happened to you in high school you know
0: did indy say teddy there is a character named teddy played by ethan isador in this film did he call you out by name
2: Oh, a lot. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I took my daughter to it. And each time we were just like nudging each other, like, you know,
0: he's just daddy. He said it.
2: (laughs) Yeah. He's kind of the de facto short round of the piece and uh, he's okay. You know, the the movie could have, he wouldn't have been missed if he wasn't in it, but he doesn't, he doesn't like destroy the film or anything. All right. He's fine. He's just fine.
1: Excellent. 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 And John Williams still is doing the score.
2: Yeah. I mean, and he delivers. I mean, there are just moments. I mean, anytime the old school theme kicks in, but he's got there's 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 tons of new stuff The the, Helena has a theme, the the Phoebe Waller-Bridge character. And uh, it's, it's very playful. What I was most impressed, though, is the production design of the film. This is a really nice film to look at. I mean, when they're in New York of 1969 uh you know when they're in Tangier all over the place I mean it's a it's a really James Mangold is is not a slouch as a filmmaker oh, yeah. I mean he he can make it I mean he might not be Spielberg but man knows how to make a movie and he knows how to put people around him to distill his vision
0: all right we will have to wait until June 30th to get our seats for Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny but it sounds like a a, a good enough movie for those of us who are huge fans of, of that series yes
1: Book
0: it. Book it. Book it. Book it. Book it. Book it. it. Brings us to our book it. Our book of the week. You know, I I study a lot of different things, Chip, and I I enjoy the idea of making myself better and being silly at the same time. That works, Steve. That works. Does it? It doesn't work for everybody. doesn't work for everybody. I'll tell you that much. Some people like silly Steve and some people are like, you should be better than, than being silly. You are silly. And I go, yeah, I am. You work with middle schoolers, Steve. You work with middle schoolers. And I need to give them what they need. That's what I do for a living. And I think in terms of how can I reach that kid? And every kid is different. And one of the things I think about while I'm doing that is, am I being Funny. I read this week a very silly self-help book. This is Maria Bamford, who you might know, she's a stand-up comedian. She wrote a book called You Are (parentheses) A Comedy Special. You Are a Comedy Special, a simple 15-step self-help guide to forcibly force yourself to write and perform a full hour of stand-up comedy. This was published in 2020, uh, and it's one of those Audible Plus sort of free examinations of literature.
1: Well, you have my attention, so the idea is you're going to read this book and then If you take action, you can write yourself a comedy special, an hour worth of stand-up comedy.
0: It's really... More broad than that, even this is focusing on what is your goal, not just an hour of stand-up comedy, but what is your goal? What do you want to do? What do you want to accomplish? What's keeping you from accomplishing your goals? She sets out this very silly way that she says she struggles. She struggles to achieve her goals. She doesn't always get straight to the point and she's not always able to get it done. So she says, here's 15 simple steps step one call whatever you are doing stand-up comedy I call my job stand-up comedy all the time sometimes a kid will say you should you're funny you should do stand-up comedy and I go well I'm standing up now and if I'm funny then this is stand-up comedy I I, I perform a lot, even though I'm not on stage and there's a lot of moments in life where you're doing the thing that you are trying to do and you can just do it better. Next time she says, step two is to do it for one hour. To be that person that you think you want to be and do it for one hour. This is obviously a, a simplification of the idea of putting together a comedy
1: hour. This this is um, a little bit different than Steve Coogan when he was in Hamlet 2. And he's writing his script when the cat is sitting next to him. And eventually he just turns over and says, what are you looking at? <laughs> As he's having a meltdown writing his script that's certainly part
0: of the process isn't it just just doing it uh that's actually step four you skipped ahead to step four where (laughs) step three is make comedy fun parentheses of me making fun of yourself finding the fun in the joy of the process is
1: part of the process of getting through whatever it is that you've set out to do well, that's very North Carolina, by the way. Self depreciating humor is very North Carolina. Is that is that a a normal thing there? It uh, it certainly is a a, a big trope. It, it is uh, not to get too uppity, Steve. Uh-huh. Don't get too uppity.
0: Don't get too stuck in yourself. Is certainly the the point of what she's trying to say in in step three.
1: Yeah, and, and I was I was going to say the the ability to. Find humor in yourself, to humble yourself in mm-hmm. front of others is fine. It certainly, though, can be off-putting. Sure. So on a comedy routine is one thing, but I've actually had a friend of mine sit there and say, well, you need to you need to stop that. Stop being self depreciating
0: Self-confidence and self-depreciating are, are two sides of the same coin, and you have to find that balance for sure.
1: Absolutely. Don't undermine your credibility, though.
0: Yeah step four, do it again, do it again. This is, this is a big part of getting anything accomplished. I think, I think just do it. That Nike slogan comes in here. If you don't do it, it won't get done. That's an important part of this step five, do your hour in public. And she's very, uh, silly about what public means for her. You know, you might be in line at the grocery store, wherever it is, do your hour in public and
1: get that feedback. See where it leads. Remember last year I went to Capricorn with Brian Kaplan's um mm-hmm. game convention, basically at his home. It's actually moved over to the university. It's gotten too big for his home. <laughs> but one of the things that he did, and he didn't just do this. There were three other people who did it too, is they wrote a comedy set that they performed. There you go. And you know, you gotta think about it, it's not your profession. Mm-hmm. You don't you, it's not something that comes natural to you. Certainly puts you out there to, you know, have your mind work a little bit differently. So I'm all for this. So I'm all in, Steve. Keep going.
0: Brings us to step six, failure and rejection. When that moment comes where somebody says, no, 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 that's not right. That's not good. What are you going to do with that failure? What are you going to do with that negativity? Making yourself go forward with your plan is an important part of this process.
1: Well, Ted Lasso said it best, be
0: a goldfish. There you go. Have no memory. Don't remember. Just go forward, work on it, and make it better. And step seven, she gets a little silly here. Step seven is an existential crisis where you get so mired in the negativity and you think you can't do it. There is a step in just about every one of your choices where you think, nah, I can't do it.
1: Let's go back to Hamlet too. When Steve Coogan presents the uh, the script to his girlfriend, and uh, he and she, he says to her, "I was writing last night." She goes, "Oh, oh, really? I thought you were, you know, having a a, a panic attack." He goes well. That is part of the process. It is part of the <laughs> process
0: for sure. We get through that, and step eight, the sweet spot, the relief of following through that that moment where you get through the existential crisis, you get past that feeling, and you get to the sweet spot where you can get to a positive feeling.
1: So you're getting flow at that point. Is this is the writing process? Mm-hmm. Yeah, where the sure. the stream is coming. And all of a sudden, um, the uh, the 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 elements of the universe are speaking to you through your pen. <laughs>
0: Then we get to step nine, which she describes as mania, where you are just so in that flow. You are so in that zone. You are getting it done and you get to a manic stage. This might be her own personal way of things, but I understand what she's saying. She, she means that you get to a point where everything is happening so easily. It's coming so easily after all the existential crisis of step seven.
1: Didn't Steve Martin say something about, um, uh, you know, it, he feels like he accomplished something today because, you know, basically he started with just a blank piece of paper. Mm-hmm. So that ability to, you know, just get started and then get the flow and then, I you don't know, get to where you need to go. For sure. Step 10, she describes as competition, being out there, showing up
0: and finding out who else is out there and what they're doing and feeling maybe that you aren't accomplishing what you set out to do. And maybe you are, maybe the, the competition adds to your motivation.
1: Wouldn't that be, I think that's for a comedian. Your self-esteem has got to be very high in the sense that you do it, mm-hmm. but your self-esteem immediately gets knocked off. I would say show to show because sure. one show, it just, everything's sort of hitting. And then another one, it's just flat. Try what's being a the difference? teacher Try well, being a middle I school
0: teacher. Every period, every 40 minutes, I get that, my friend that I can, I can walk out in the hallway between classes and go, oh my goodness, I just had a great class. I got them. I made them understand something and I'm going to do it again the next period. And they can knock me down the next period. Every audience is different. Every performance is
1: different for sure. You get no respect, Steve, for little Rodney Roger Dangerfield
0: step 11 she says do a terrible half-ass job i agree with this step of being better finding a way to find that balance seeing what it's like to do it badly again back to middle school teaching there are days there are moments where i do my job poorly
1: and i feel how that feels and it doesn't feel good to do my job poorly and and there's the big issue, I mean, I'm using a teacher's example, that young teacher who is so working to refine the craft mm-hmm. to get to the point where you have refined the craft to the, you know, you're at that point, you know, you've done what you need to do. You're good at what you're doing. You have paused when you need to pause. You've got all that down. Can you keep that energy? I don't know, Steve, <laughs> for the next 25 years. No, <laughs> <laughs> Seriously.
0: The, the, the young teachers that I talk to, we talk about the, the long haul. Yes, you are getting there. You are getting it done. Can you keep it up for 25 years?
1: Well, and, and everyone's craft kind of works that way. Very few of us have something that's so significantly different um, every single time. And um, I can imagine, like I said, being a young person, you're, you're very eager to learn the craft. You're very eager to refine yourself, but eventually, I mean, you've refined it yep, and you've gotten as good as you're going to get. And then, like I said, you could get bored uh-huh. and that's where things kind of get crazy. I don't know if you've ever played a, a game, like a video game, and uh, you've gotten really good at it, but then again, you start becoming lazy with with stuff and it's not working the way it needs to. There's by the way, up. And by the way, that's called golf.
0: step 12 she says to get through that get cocky believe in yourself believe that you have the skills to get through to the next level of whatever it is that you're working on whether it be golf or comedy or teaching that's a that's a great point Step 13 is to edit, to to take a step back, to take a look at what you are doing. Is it really the best thing ever? Or can it be improved even further? Editing
1: is a big
0: part of
1: every one of these actions. Do you remember having all those conversations with the Inkshare uh, writers? Mm-hmm. And they were talking about their first novel. And they wrote it, and then they rewrote it, and then they rewrote it, and they rewrote it. And that's part. Of, and then they determined that it wasn't ready for public. Yeah. That was a novel, but they were They finished it, but it's the editing. That's where the real work comes in. Until you get to step 14, the acceptance
0: of mediocrity. That's that step in that writing process that you just described. When you go, it's not perfect. It's never going to be perfect. When you are creating art, there is a moment where you have to put down the brush. You have to stop editing. It is close enough. It is good enough that acceptance of mediocrity is step
1: 14. Is that the George Lucas rule, Steve? (laughs) It's good enough. No, no, he just keeps coming back. He's like... I'm going to play with this some more. Don't do it, George. (laughs) At some point, move to the next project. That's it. At some
0: point in art, you have to accept that it is complete, that it is done, and you have to move on to the next thing. That's step 15 onward. Keep going. Keep it up. Don't rest on your laurels. Do the
1: next thing. That is step 15 in Maria Bamford's list. I went to a drink and draw on uh, at Heroes Con. And I'm sitting there on a table and I'm drawing for an hour. I have no idea what I'm going to draw. I have no idea what I'm going to do. But I recognize very quickly that my skills haven't really changed, I don't know, in 25 years. Hmm. And the point is, is that I don't spend any time on it. So of course, they're not going to to change. Mm -hmm. So I just accepted that, yeah, it's not going to be what I could have been. It's just going to be what I'm playing with right now, and I think that's a, uh, a a point. Is if I want to get better at golf or at drawing or any other skill, you have to spend time doing it. Yep, you have to put in the time for sure. Maybe we'll do a weekly podcast, and so we'll get better at it, Steve. We'll get better at it eventually, right? Well, one day, Steve. <laughs> one day, it's ready for the public. That's right. This is
0: a fun, silly little two hour self-help book based on the very silly comedy of Maria Bamford. If you enjoy Maria Bamford and her very unique voice, you will enjoy this. If you hate her voice, you will hate the two hours of listening to her talk, but I enjoyed this very much. It's called, you are a comedy special. It was published in 2020 by Maria Bamford.
2: with it
0: brings us to our scroll with it we have just finished heroes con in north carolina this weekend met all sorts of fun people at that convention
1: that beautiful charlotte north carolina so heroes con is one of the premier uh comic conventions In the nation, and I would probably say, you know, right next to what goes on in in San Diego, it's got to be a top four or five. When I sat down with Thomas Kayfabe and had a a few conversations with them, basically singing their praises. If you're not familiar with it, it's on YouTube, and they've gone from a very small audience. I think they have a half million viewers a day now. Uh, Certainly, certainly, the uh, an example of finding a niche. Um, audience, and then building from there. And I think what made their um, po- their podcast, their recording, so unique is they are big fans of the printed material. They know how to draw. They know how to print. They've got all those skills, which they are basically dissecting the works from. And they've gotten to the point where they have such a large following they get to go through, I don't know if you saw this one, Steve, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles first publication. They went page by page with the writer and the artist talking about the decisions they made to put together that comic book. Wow. Certainly a very fascinating. And they do that with a, a number of things. This It's not always an interview. But once again, they, they really do have this wonderful way of looking at things. Of course, Steve has something for his basement. For
0: our anniversary,
1: you got you got the next poster to go up on the wall. Exactly, um, Ed Piscor from Thomas Kayfabe uh, has the hip hop family tree, Steve. Nice, just hang out. We walked around. We got we set up a whole bunch of uh, interviews that will be coming to us. I know that uh, Don Simpson from 1963. Uh, he is a, a comic book artist, and he's going to 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 talk to us. We have a number of writers, and we have uh, an actor that should be coming to us over the next month or two. So it's going to be a, a you know very fruitful time down in Charlotte, Steve. That's the
0: best thing about going to conventions is meeting those people, making those connections, and and hearing some of that expertise on display.
1: I went to a podcasting group to talk, and the guy goes, "Hey, I live in Greensboro." And my uh, my partner on my podcast lives in the Chicago area, and I was like, "That sounds familiar." You live in North Carolina, and your podcast uh, partner <laughs> is in the Chicago area. Well, I'm familiar with that. <laughs> That's great. I, I love those
0: connections, those coincidences that we that we find in those situations.
1: Absolutely. And I what I did learn though is that many of these podcasts are getting boosts at these events, basically pulling in those people and actually recording right there with them. So maybe that's something that we consider at some point.
0: We can get back to our live shows for sure. Time to time to get out there. We've got some AI news coming this week. Uh, there's uh, a big question about how artificial intelligence
1: is working with healthcare. Yeah, this was an article that was in the Wall Street Journal. And imagine you're a nurse or a doctor or whatever your profession is, and there is a procedure to follow. But AI comes out and it says, oh, you should do this. When do you have the right to override the AI? Mm-hmm. Because it is potential that the AI went down the wrong rabbit hole. But the question is is there liability if you didn't follow what the AI suggested?
0: those procedures that may or may not save a life and the procedures that are dictated by that algorithm. That's a big question.
1: When when Bibi can override the AI model, if she gets a doctor's approval, she said she faces disciplinary action if she's wrong. Mm -hmm. So the point is, is that your experience, which could be very valid in a situation, you could lose your job potentially from not following the procedures. Now AI could shotgun a lot of information, and certainly our biases mm-hmm. um, could be, uh, I don't know, considered. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, AI could have a bias too. Correct. So this is a this is something that we're going to have to experience. There will be some challenging moments with it. very similar i'm going to use um the algorithms that you i mean let's let's think of walmart and target they came out with a computer program at one time for scheduling Mm -hmm. and this computer program said steve should be there from 7 a.m to 9 a.m and then he should come back from noon to two and then if he could just be there from five to six Mm -hmm. yeah my point being is You're working, you go away, you work, you come by. That is a terrible experience Mm -hmm. for Steve. Now, for shopping and the times to go shop, maybe it's great. And so when it initially came out, there was a lot of discomfort for the employees because they were being thrown around a lot. But I think that over time... They, they realize this is not working for our employees. We need to find a better way of doing things. In addition to that, we had a, a, the uh, COVID and workers are like, yeah, I'm not working that way. So this idea of trying to use our modeling and computers to help us, but also recognizing there's a human factor involved too.
0: Efficiency versus humanity is, is certainly something that, that businesses have been working on forever. How do we most efficiently use those humans and make them want to come back the next day? For sure. Hey, Steve, what if you were a singer and you were no longer with us? The Beatles are teasing a new album. They're calling it their final album. And this is mostly Paul McCartney who gave an interview as said that there is a new Beatles album coming out where John Lennon's voice is going to be created using AI. How do you feel about that?
1: That's interesting though, Steve. Mm -hmm. And, And that comes into play because do you remember watching, um, what was the Star Wars film that Luke Skywalker shows up? Or Leia shows up or, uh, Tarkin, uh, grand Tarkin,
0: the grand moth Tarkin is in rogue one. And that was the first AI, uh, drawn human. And, and boy, that uncanny Valley, there, watching those, those dead eyes staring back at you, knowing for sure that that actor is dead and we are seeing him move. Uh, there's going to be some, some moments here with AI.
1: Well, it's going to be very interesting because this is what I think the writer strike is talking a little bit about. If you were able to download all the Twilight Zone episodes, could AI write a Twilight Zone episode? Or a lot of them are they, is that new material or is it based on previous humans material? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, know, th- you know, there's a lot going on here. I I think that it's fun to play in this uh, arena in the sense that, wow, wouldn't it be interesting to see what John Lennon AI sounds like and whether you could make music around it? At the same time, this is taking a little bit away from the human experience. I I think that there's going to be a lot of playfulness. We'll see how this sticks and how the public reacts to it. I I don't have a, a true answer to this.
0: Yeah, uh, I am curious to see how this innovation works and how it takes away from people who are making money being creative. Artists of all types are are fearful of what AI
1: could be taking away from their work. Well, every time technology comes in to take away something, it also gives something too. That is true. So, So there are jobs that are created too. Think of many of the jobs that went away at one time. Mm -hmm. Well, that's because there's been advances. I'm currently reading a book that's making that argument, talking about some of the economic models that we're using and how we are looking at the economy as a whole. The suggestion is is that we're going through a technological growth spurt and the models really aren't capturing all that's happening. Hmm. So you may not be making significantly more income, but your life has improved so dramatically over the last hundred years. Hmm. And that's that's one of the arguments. we'll We'll see how that plays out as I finish up this book. But uh, going back to this, the Beatles, if the if Paul McCartney wants to play with this and, you know see how it kind of puts something out. I this is not a Beatles album this is paul mccartney simulating the the beatles it's just a play. it's something to play with it's it's a playground type thing in my opinion life in the simulation and, until until he makes a lot of money on it and then everybody will want their piece that's right so the, the ghost of george harrison will be reincarnated
0: maybe that's what it is maybe maybe george harrison's reincarnation has created the ai I look forward to the future of the past of the Beatles and this new album. I don't know, Chip. I think we have enough information to survive another week. What do you think?
1: Only if we can come back next week, Steve.
0: I think we can. We would love to hear from you. Give us a call or a text. Our phone number is 805 4104 TMS. Our website is too much Our email is too much scrolling at gmail.com. We're still on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. We're on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and YouTube. And you can always ask your smart speaker to play the latest episode of Too Much Scrolling. I want to thank you again for listening to Too Much Scrolling. I'm Steve Fodor. I'm We'll See you in the future.